Sunday morning feels so bad Everybody seems to nag me Coming Tuesday I feel better Even my own man looks good Wednesday just don't go Good evening, listeners. This is Triple B Socials once again, and it's episode nine. In the past, I've chatted to writers from TDC. This week, we'll be chatting to someone that ensures us as writers are guided along the way safely and en route. A behind-the-scenes look at what makes a tour so safe, as well as getting to the end point. We have one of the legends of the support staff crew member in tonight. Welcome, Karen. I'm not saying you, your nickname just as yet, buddy. How are you, Kiz? Uh, I just said it. There you go. I'm good. Happy to be here, Triple B. Uh, awesome. Ah, here we go. Nicknames are, are abundant at the moment. Awesome. Um, Kez, I, I met you at, on Tour de Cure a few years back, but also become a, a Facebook friend. And on your intro, it reads, life is about living, being challenged, giving what you can and making your mark. Can you please explain to the listeners a little about how you resonate with your intro? I, I have a fair idea, but it'd be nice to hear it from you. Yeah, look, I think it's more about you know, leaving your mark, leaving your legacy. You know, it sounds like an odd sort of thing. We shouldn't be looking to the end point. But for me, I you know, don't want to just cruise through life being, you know, she was a great person and a great mum and all those sorts of things. But where else could I create an impact and you know, that started from, from quite young. So I've always looked for, for places to, to have an impact. Um, I looked to work in areas that had an impact. And, and you know, I continue to look for those things regardless of, you know, as you get older and things change and, you know, whether it be small or big, what can I do to, you know, leave my, my mark in a positive way on the world? I think you're doing a great job at, at this stage. Um, you work at the ONJ Olivia Newton-John Cancer Research Institute. Can you briefly explain your role and what the, I'll use the acronym, ONJ Cancer Research Institute does, please? Yeah, sure. Um, the Living Newton-John Cancer Research Institute is part of Austin Health, so it sits within Austin Health in Heidelberg here in Melbourne. And the Research Institute is solely focused, obviously, on cancer research across quite a few different cancer streams, but, but we do focus on some more specifically. The important part of what we do is we sit within the hospital and every research group has an uh, oncologist as part of their research group. So we're not looking at research as a standalone um, aspect. We're mm -hmm. looking at how does it impact patients first and foremost. And so the feedback between patient, oncologist and researcher is a constant circle in what we do. I'm part of the Centre for Research Excellence in Brain Cancer. It's a very long name, but yeah. strangely enough for those that, you know, knew um, the music of Owen Jay, she actually uh, went to Canberra and got the funding for this um, research aspect for okay. brain cancer research. And, in fact, it's that was five years ago, or just a bit over five, and we've just been renewed for, you know, another four years. But for my mm. role, I'm looking to ways to um, create a big data bank and a big um, tissue bank of material from cancer patients because brain cancer is still considered a rare cancer. Yeah. So we just don't have enough um, patients in a year. Um, if a good project comes along, it typically would take two to three years to collect the material we'd need for that research project. 
So working backwards, I've now been there for three and a half years. Okay. And yeah. we're currently contributing or in that role. I've actually been at O&J for 13 years. But in that role for three and a half and now we're contributing to seven different projects around the world because oh, really? we have this this bank of material that is rare to get. Oh, okay. So, so, uh, so that's, that's – I do lots of things but that's my that's primary your, uh, role. That, that's your main role there. So you've answered my, one of my questions, you know, how long you've been working there. And, and the O&J – when was that first established? Well, the Cancer Research Institute in itself used to be the Ludwig Institute. And in fact, that's, what? you know, some 30 or so years old. Okay, yep. Um, and then, you know, not all that long ago, about seven years ago, they, they decided to not have an Australian base. And the opportunity came up to rename and rebadge. And obviously, because we sit within the Olivia Newton John Cancer Research and Wellness Centre, which there's a wellness building there as well. Um, the rename, you know, became obvious Obvi- and easy yeah. to some ways. In yeah. some ways, um, and it's always been a strong affiliation, you know, with her and what she brought um, to us, you know, before her passing. Exactly. Yes. Um, so, what got you interested in? What What did you do before him? What got you interested in, in in doing this sort of research work? Yeah. Look, I wasn't always cancer research. I, you know, I probably had a weird pathway in that I went off to uni and and started science at, as an eighteen year old, and six months in, I. I uh, went home to my father and said, um, you know, I'm going to have six months off. Now, Dad was a unique individual and, and there was a little bit of, oh, over my dead body, <laughs> oh, you're not going to sit around here and do nothing. <laughs> what he didn't realise is I'd been for a job that week at Monash University to do, as, as a technical assistant back then they called yeah. them, to do research. Um, and I guess the, re- the rest is history. But for the first 22 years, I did research in fetal development. Oh, so okay. not cancer at all, okay. lung development, brain development. And I got to sort of 40 and a few things went different ways. Funding in research is very difficult. And the lab yeah. I was in was a bit low and they were going to let my uh, research assistant go. And, and I had one of those wake up mornings where I said, you know, after 22 years of doing this research, I'm just going to go and see what's out there yeah, yeah and went for lots of jobs got lots of interviews um and walked into this place and just knew that 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 was my next step to to go into cancer research so you must get a lot of joy when development's found you know like down the track you know with with development uh, with research etc you must get a lot of joy out of that when when, when some something fun, good happens, you know, happens yeah. exactly you must get a lot of joy out of that yeah you've you've got to because yeah. it, it isn't the easiest thing to do it's no. you know People sort of think, I, oh, you know, for people in our group that are professors, oh, you know, professors, research, you don't go into it to make money for sure. No. Um, and it can, you know, it can knock you around a lot. You know, fighting for funding constantly can, that, can be tough. That would be tough, yes. Yeah. But on, on the flip side, you know, we see good outcomes. You know, we see some people say, well, we haven't got a cure for cancer. Well, you know, naively, a lot of people see it that way as a cure for cancer. It's, it's many cancers and they're not all the same. No. But, you know, if we really look back and think, you know, it's not that many years ago where, you know, breast cancer only had a, you know, five to seven year survival rate and yet, yet now you sit over 70%, you know, not not very uh, dissimilar for prostate cancer. You know, there's so many cancers we've advanced. Advanced, yeah. The problem is there's just this this group of some of them quite rare and some of them um, lower numbers that we're just not making headway. Brain's one of them, unfortunately, yeah. and there's lots of reasons for that, but you know, we have to keep pushing forward to find those those next things. And it may not always be a cure, but no. if we can find better treatments and treatments that don't harm the individual as yeah. much and where they don't, part of the problem is, you know, treatments can be so bad that people just stop. And rightly so, they just can't keep going with it. No. So a lot of the research is also about what's what can we do better 
so that the rest of the life you do have um, with cancer is is a good one. As a researcher, do you see patients in there at all? Or, or? I, I do. So, yeah. so my role, you know, I remember the very first week I started in this role. So, you know, three and a half years ago, I just moved from um, basically writing grants and, and research ethics to this role. And somebody believed in me and said, you know, I want you to come and work for me. And in the first week, he said, I want you to come and sit in on a family meeting, which happens on a Friday with the patients that are on ward and who have usually come in through emergency for brain cancer and they've, they've had surgery. And we're the ones or they're the ones that then go and tell them, the surgeons just say a tumour. And then the oncologists have to go and, and give them the bad news. Excellent. So I want you to just come in and sit in on one of those meetings. And straight away I knew, you know, this is where this is where I wanted to be. You know, yeah. these families are getting, you know, the worst news possible. But what can we give them that's also positive, positive about yeah. how we can move yeah. forward? So I'm fortunate. But the centre's designed in a way that when we leave um, the research institute, the patients, uh, we all use the same stairwell. Our research lab, we call it a fishbowl because it's actually opposite the ward. Uh. So patients and families walk out of the ward and look straight into the research labs. Yeah. And when we leave every day and come every day, we go through um, oncology and morning, afternoon, you know, from 8 in the morning till I can leave at 5.30 and it's still full is just patients. And it wow. just rotates through different – it will be breast in the morning, it'll be, you know, GI oh. in the afternoon, it'll be lung the next morning, it'll oh, be really? – and it, it just really makes you, even if you've had a bad day in the lab, you walk down there and you think, you know, that it's nothing compared with, to well, where they're going and we just have to keep going. Well, well, just yeah. have to come back tomorrow and go okay. again. And, and try and help out. Absolutely. Do, do, do the best you can. Absolutely. And, and put a smile on their face if you can, yeah. if, if, at all, if at all possible, yeah. down the track. Bring you know, in yeah. smart people yeah. and let smart people do some work. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. All right, we'll move on a little bit. As I said in the intro, you're also a volunteer for Tilda Cure in a support role capacity. Could you explain to the listeners your role as, as a as support crew? Yeah, what sure. So, so support crew is a little bit different to the riders, although some would often say that we work harder than the riders. I, I can vouch for that. <laughs> the riders, we always say with riders, it's eat, ride, eat, ride, eat, ride, eat, sleep. And yep. that's pretty much what they do pretty for much the day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> a little bit of whinging in between. <laughs> a lot of whinging on my behalf. <laughs> we're support crew a little bit different. We we have varied varied roles. There's lots of roles uh, in our support crew. But for many of us, we're actually out on the road with the pelotons of riders. So it's a big safety aspect. So if mm-hmm. you can imagine, I mean, most people know what a peloton is, but, you know, it's a bus with two cars on each end. And we're there to move the traffic past as safely as we can. Mm-hmm. So the riders can just keep going. And it's, you know, it's quite amazing. We'll have riders say to us, we had no idea how that worked. They just assume the cars just keep coming yeah. past and everyone's happy. And so we do a lot of that. But we also do, you know, on the road, we're, we're feeding and watering them. We're yes. providing mechanical support. We have one of the vehicles is full of medical support. It really is, you know, as somebody said, as close as you can get to Tour de France with, without the, um, you know, the big stacks. Um and, and really that's what it is. But we're, we're up before the riders getting everything ready. When they leave dinner and go and slide into bed exhausted, we're generally still going, getting everything ready for the next day as well. But super rewarding and, and I don't have sore legs after it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. You, you have something. I mean, I, I can honestly attest that I couldn't do what you guys do, especially driving, because I, I can attest that, yes, we get up at least an hour later than you guys. Yes, we finish at least three or four hours before you guys. You guys, are, when we finish, we get mollycoddled over, get fed, have beers, have wines or whatever. You guys are still packing up 
and or prepping for the next day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, whether it's getting navigation on board, whether it's – there's so many parts to it. We, we visit schools, so there's preparing for school visits, um, which yeah. is one of the best parts of tour. Yeah, school um, visits are, are the best part of tour. Yeah, yeah. so it, it, it's a broad aspect, but for anyone that, that likes – you know, it's as challenging as riding a bike will be. I, the first tour, I, this is my, I think I'm up to tour 16. Yeah. Um, I started uh, eight years ago, actually, eight years ago this year. Okay. Um, on a signature tour, which is one of our biggest tours, of course. Yes. And three days in, I nearly went home. Oh, really? Oh, absolutely. I was, it was the biggest, they'd actually jumped from being a reasonable size tour to a massive tour that year. So it was big, you know, it was, it was a big jump for them as well. So what was your what was your role in that tour? In your first tour? Oh, my first tour, I thought I was coming on as a photographer, <laughs> um, and then I was a rear navigator, which I thought, okay, I can manage that. That's okay. And by the end of the tour, I was a rear driver. So I, I progressed very quickly in the learning phase on that tour, just for lots of reasons. Um, and I and I understand, you know, when people come on tour with us now, I see the fear sometimes. You know, I see the trepidation because it, it is a big thing to go and do for lots of reasons. Um, but it is such an amazing organisation yeah. that with training, with support, I'm now actually the national support manager. Wow. So I, I basically get people on board that are going to support the support on tour. That's the sort of thing we didn't have so much, you know, eight years ago. Excuse me. Like I said, listeners, I've got the legend of support staff here with me tonight. <laughs> um, so you was, you're talking to listeners about rear car navigation and rear car driving. Now, what would you rather, rear car or front car? Well, it depends <laughs> what you want to do. Now, the rear car, because occasionally I'm – the last five years I've been – or four years I've been front car. and But when you suddenly end up in the rear car, which I did on Vic Discovery, you get a much better view. Much better view. There's good cars to look at. Oh. There's some good riders. <laughs> you know, I don't mind looking from, from the back as well. Depends I, on the rider that cares. D- depends <laughs> on the rider. This, this might be quite true. Um, but, look, I don't really mind. I think um, – you know, I worked my, I suppose, my skill set up and, and the front driving is probably the least popular. Um, yeah. I think people feel more pressure being on the front and advising of, of a lot of traffic movement. Yeah. Um, but for me, you know, that certainly doesn't concern me. Can you explain to the listeners the difference between, oh, there's obviously an obvious difference, but just the intricacies of a front driver and a rear car driver, Yeah, please. yeah. So if you think of a front car sitting let's say 400, 500 metres in front of a peloton. Yeah. So they're a fair way out. They're, they're sitting out there and they're, they're just monitoring what's coming from the front because eventually mm. something will come from the back. The rear, they're, they're, they're providing that protection in terms of knowledge where the rear car is really providing protection on the road. And, in fact, you know, we have some amazing rear car drivers because sometimes we don't want traffic to pass. It's not safe for them to pass. No. And we have to use those cars that we have and we're very, very fortunate to have Lexus as a sponsor and we have amazing vehicles on the road. <laughs> but we have to use that car sometimes to sort of let them know that it's not safe to go yet. I mean, the, the cars are badged and there's signage all over them, but sometimes you'll still have someone that thinks, you know, I'm going to try and pass that Peloton. Um, so, you know, the rear can be just as stressful in some ways when it's super busy traffic. But the idea is the rear car and three of the riders in the in the ride group, in the peloton, and the front car are constantly talking. Yeah. So you think about it like a chain of events of something's coming from the front, something's coming from the back, and we all just communicate to smoothly get those cars safely passed. And not only are you communica- communicating between cars, you're also communicating between the peloton, the ride leaders as That's well. Right. So they, That's they've right. got to be aware of what's going on as well because what they do then – 
you'll communicate to the, to the rear car and, and, to the, and to the ride leaders and the ride leaders will let us know what's going on as well. Yes, Absolutely. In, in the peloton, yeah. Ultimately, it's, it's about creating a really safe tour for everyone. Yeah. I mean, the pelotons, as you know, can have 20 to 30 people in them. Yes. And we feel, you know, the support crew feel a very big responsibility to ensure that we safely get to the end as well. And mm. so once we're in those cars, that's what we're switched on to. So you've shared with us pretty much a, a normal day on support crew. Uh, like, okay, we, we know what's, what's happening when you're driving. What, what's, it, what's your prep before and after? Well, before, like before, before we start a day, yep. what do you do? Whilst we're still sleeping, what are you guys doing at 4 a.m. or 3 a.m.? Um, and then what are you doing when we've, we've come in, fi- finished after a day on, on the bikes? What are you guys doing after that, please? Yeah, so in the morning generally we're, we're – well, firstly we're down helping with – we do obviously live crosses with Sunrise. We do – we have to go and set up um, and assist with food sometimes. Um, the cars have to be prepared. So the cars carry uh, food, they carry supplies, they carry medical supplies, they carry 25-litre water drums, which always need to be filled up and you can <laughs> never find a tap when you want one. Um, so we have to have that all organised So when because we really don't get long from, from riders arriving breakfast go. Yeah. You know, that's not a two, it's not a two-hour holiday camp. It's no. we're here, eat, eat your uh, egg and bacon muffin and we're out of here, you know. So we have to be literally in the car, parked, ready to leave, maps loaded. We, we load maps onto a tablet. We have paper maps in case the tablet breaks. <laughs> um, you know, we have to check if there's any special stops during the day. All of those happen. We get through the day. We, we obviously have lunch in the middle. And when we get to the end, it, it's kind of the reverse of that. You know, we have to make sure the riders have everything back. We have to make sure bikes are off roofs. We have to – they all get their shoe bags back. They get everything out of the car. And then we go through the process of cleaning out the car, getting rid of the rubbish, <laughs> refilling the water. It, it is a little bit of a rinse and repeat situation. Yeah, but yeah. you do – you get you get into that routine so you can do that nice and quickly. And, look, I, I, I observe you guys, but like at the end of the day, like, you all got smiles on your face. None of none of, you, none of, none of the uh, support staff are, are carrying on or bitching or moaning about. Oh God, no, no, no! They're all, all beautiful people, and they're all happy to help us. You know, we'll moan a bit and aches and pains or whatever. But you know, you guys are always happy to, to help out, no matter what. You know, no matter what what, what what's going on during the day. And like I say, and and just explain to listeners what sort of pace you're driving at. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, when I get home and go 60Ks, I think I'm speeding it so fast. Yeah. So, yeah, we're generally doing, you know, look, we can get up to, oh, what, 30, even 35, you know, on, uh, on a good day. You know? That's on uh, the, the big uh, – the Flattened downhill. <laughs> no, and, and also the main peloton as well. Yeah, that's the main peloton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Generally we're around 24-ish is probably about an average. And how many hours, kids? So we – we generally head out before the sun does, so most days are by six. I mean, there are occasionally a four in the in the start time, and look, we try and get in by about three or four. Yeah. Um. So the riders can obviously rest and put their feet up. It doesn't always work because some days are 120 kilometres. Yeah. Some days are 180 kilometres. Yeah. Some days have hills. Some, some days have no hills. <laughs> so it is a long day sitting and driving at that speed. You, as I said, when you when you have to pop down the shops one night, they say, "Can you pop down and get something from Woolies?" And you drive down the main road. And you, Why is everyone going past me? Like I'm going really fast. <laughs> and you're doing 45. You know, like it's a bit of a worry. So you know, like listeners, you know, they're, they're doing it. Say an average of twenty five k's an hour for at least eight hours a day. At <laughs> exactly. least eight hours a day, and that's I. I it does my it's mind boggling to me. I, I couldn't do that. A lot so, of concentration. No, it is a lot of concentration. <laughs> a lot of concentration. I, I, people know me. They'd know I'd be falling asleep at the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I would be. <laughs> so uh, 
front or rear car driver is not for me, I don't think. Um, no, but then riding's not for me, so that's good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so what, what got you interested to do support? Um, I've always been very involved in charities, to yeah. be honest. Um, you know, if I, if I think back actually to my parents and, you know, and I take a little bit of a step back in that, you know, Dad was president of actually not too far from here, Sandringham, Free okay. Social Club. Oh, nice. As kids. So we yep. grew up on a Sunday afternoon at the VFA Games, you know, Dad doing his, his duties. You know, Mum ran the ran the Dingley Market when it started, you know, the biggest, yep. you know, craft market. They were always involved in things. Yep. And you don't really think about it at the time is whether that rubs off. So when I started in research, I always tried to find a charity that matched not just the work that I was doing, but, you know, as wonderful as the big charities are, the small ones, you know, the ones where one person's time can be a huge impact on what they can get done. And so I, even through my previous research career, I worked with various um, charities involving, you know, the SIDS Foundation and charities involving fetal development and babies. And when I went to O&J, it actually took me a while. I couldn't, I couldn't, sort of get set on one. There's, I mean, Cancer Council Victoria, all of them are brilliant, yeah. but I wanted that little one. And one day a uh, grant was up for a piece of equipment. Never heard of Tour de Cure. We had never heard of them, funnily okay. enough. And Tour de Cure, through one of their sponsors, was offering a grant for a piece of equipment worth nearly $300,000. Fancy, fancy piece of equipment. And through different connections, we got asked, would we like to put it in? Now, by chance, we got that equipment. And then we got a call from Jeff Coombs and it was right before we rebadged, well, we just rebadged as O&J. So we're having our opening, our big launch. Can you just explain to listeners who Jeff Coombs is, please? Ah, oh, yeah. So <laughs> Je- Jeff Coombs um, is one of the founders, one of yeah. the three founders, uh, that's right, four, yeah, three founders of um, original founders, uh, original yeah. founders um, of Tour de Gure, amazing man. Yes. yes. And he gave me a ring and he said he was in Melbourne, he was going to pop in. And so the lift opened. And out jumped this guy in a red Tour de Cure jacket. They were quite bright, the, the old red jackets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was sort of in the foyer and gave me a hug and I tell you, without a doubt, that was it. Okay. Oh. And it was, done, it was done. I just knew straight away that this really still small charity, at that stage I think it was around the three to four million a year. Yeah, yeah. Keeping in mind that, you know, pre-COVID we were tapping out at 12 million. Yeah. So it was still smallish and I thought I can make an impact here. Mm-hmm. The next signature tour – we had three riders on tour, two support on tour, and, you know, I guess in, in some ways the rest is history. Yeah. And and we're very fortunate because we now partner quite strongly with Tour de Cure for yeah. our Vic Discovery ride. That's right, yes. Yeah. And, you know, we see them as, as like a family and and we see them as part of our family and it's it's what drew me to them in the first place. Yeah. So that's where I ended up with Tour de Cure. Beautiful. That, so can anyone join the support group and how can they if, they, if, they, if they're interested? Absolutely anybody can. There's yep. tours There's tours all year round um, that are ride tours and obviously they're from three days to nine days. Yep. But there's also walks now. So That's right, we have are. walks yes, yeah, and we yes. have walks in Melbourne. Um, so for people who maybe want to get involved in an event but can just do a day or even just do a night, then we have lots of volunteer opportunities to support all of our events. Um, you can jump on the website. You can drop an email to the to the volunteer coordinator. We love having new people on, and and yeah. we love. I mean, I when I did my first tour, I knew nobody. Yeah. I mean, I went with one other person, but I knew nobody, and I was like, whoa. And and I great respect for people who now come to our tours, having just heard it or seen it yeah. or seen it on sunrise, and just thought this is where I need to be. And the, we want you there. You know, we want to make you welcome. And it becomes like I know when I I did my first tour, I, I knew no one from, from no, I didn't know no one. But then 
you get this tour to kill family. Oh. And they talk about the bubble when, you, when, oh. when you're on tour. Can you explain to, to the listeners about Look, the bubble? I, I heard about the bubble, you know, before I went. No, I was a bit of a oh, bubble schmubble, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, and then, as I said, I struggled probably the first three days, you know, to really get into it. And then day four and day five came along. I was like, oh, I get this. And the more tours I've done, the more I get it. Yeah. And it it's, it's one of the few times where you go somewhere and you interestingly don't you know, you think – I bring my laptop sometimes. Like, I'll get some work done. I mean, who am I kidding? <laughs> You're who kidding I, yourself, aren't you? I mean, I carry it for nine days like I'm going to open it, <laughs> nah, you know. not a hope in hell. It is one of those things where you walk in and you get a real close the door behind you feel. Now I'm with these people and what I'm doing makes a difference and I very rarely – I turn the television on. You don't You don't have the radio on in the car so the, the no, radio is no, never on. no. I mean, I get oh. I get home and I often look and go, oh, did that happen while I was gone? I felt like I was gone for three years, like you know. <laughs> but it, and I think it, it is the people too. We're, we're working as a as a group to make a difference, make and a difference. You've, you've really got to buy into that when you're there, and but, everything you get back then. But not only that, you, 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 like you said, we're working into to buy it now. To do something for, for people and charities, etc. But you're also having fun. Oh, yeah. How huge much fun, fun do you have? Oh, I have huge fun. Yeah. I mean, and you were saying about meeting friends, you know, I'd, I'd say my Facebook over the last seven years have probably doubled, but, yeah. you know, they're nearly all tour to kill the other double, you know. Um, but I, I think, too, you know, it's such a broad group of riders and support. You know, we're not all from anything the same. No. You no. know, it can be, you know, from, from mums and dads just giving it a crack. You know, I love when. You know, you meet those riders and you do the same way. You meet those riders that eight months ago weren't riding a bike. No, no. And then I'm going to go and get on a bike and I'm going to ride for nine days or three days or whatever. whatever. And I'm and it blows my mind. And they smash it. Oh, and I just think, yeah. you know, that's that's kind of where it fits into that thing we said at the start is finding something in life that challenges you and gives back at the same yeah. time is the perfect mix. It is. It is and perfect And the people mix. are there to support you. You're never going to fail. And never going to fail. You just know, I just notice on, like, on, on training days, I'm, like, I'm not the best right? I'm far from it. Um, but there's, there's people that that have, have started the tour. Like an example last year, this young lady had never ridden a bike before, mm. did a tour, and like we were sort of thinking to ourselves, how's she going to cope through you know, doing this tour? She, she was struggling during training, yeah. but she persisted in the training mm. and she completed the tour. She was fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, it, was bloody, it was brilliant. It was actually brilliant. And she had the people around her that are prepared to do it. To no, help. we yeah, don't. Yeah. No. I think that's one of the things I look at tour. Nobody gets left behind. No, no. Yeah, you might no. have to have a couple hours rest or you might have to jump in the car for a little stint. But, you know, that's life. It's life. It's, at the end of the day, but you then we accept get, it. But yeah. then they're out of the car again and they're going. And they're going again, exactly yeah, right. And, exactly. And, and people... You know, you're feeling embarrassed about getting in the car, but you don't want to get in the car, but, mm. you know, but you do. It's for group. Yeah, mm. it's it, and everyone helps each other. All right, now listen, a little birdie on Vic Discovery WhatsApp group chat has told me that you've been bombarded with questions such as, when is this year's Vic Discovery tour? <laughs> so can you break an exclusive on Triple B socials regarding when and where? Would love to break one oh. here. Cares, come on. Well, I'll keep it cryptic because I'm allowed to say ah. the word. So we know it's the end of November. Yeah, we, we know it's the last bit, so that's yeah, the easy bit. One. We know yeah, that's that. That's the easy bit, yeah. Uh, we know it involves hills. <laughs> we know it involves a hill that could potentially in winter have snow on it. Oh, shite. Yeah, yeah, now you're getting worried. <laughs> uh, we know we get to stay two nights in one place. So night one and oh, yo, the, or yeah. day zero, day mm. one nights, we're going to be in the same place. So that's nice. It's yeah. nice to know. Yeah, yeah, it's you nice can, to you know, always yeah, have yeah, a little yeah. sleep, you know. Yeah. We know that it uh, involves an area that uh, would include uh, wineries. Okay, that's getting uh, better. 
There might be. I'm spending out- three nights there, are we? <laughs> yeah, yeah they're jo- at the winery, uh, and it might be out in a way where anyone that uh, likes a good chocolatier, um, mm. there's definitely one of those out there that Beautiful. I frequent. And Very the downside good. is it isn't far from my house. So, you know, if you head out to the hills, you'll be going in the right direction. You're going in the right direction. Okay, folks, so you got an exclusive from Karen <laughs> where Vic Discovery Tour is end of November. And I do believe we are launching it in the next three days. So it oh, will no, go oh, live. Oh, like go live. Please listen to Triple B Socials. You'll hear a bit more. Yes. All right. Now, you've done a few tours, a few SIG tours and a few Vic Discovery Tours. You've done, have you done other yeah, WA's and I didn't do WA when we used to do WA. Um, so I do a couple of our corporate tours a yeah, year, okay. which are amazing because it's where, you know, corporate partners that you often, you know, people don't think about giving back, but, you know, Woolies, Combank, Westpac, um, you know, Suncorp, they do tours just with their own staff and their own, own affiliates that raise over a million dollars. Okay. You know, and, and I, I kind of like that. I like the idea that, they're doing what we do. They come together as a group and they train and they work hard and, you know, as a group they're raising, you know, considerable amount of money yeah. um, for, for cancer research and, you know, it's, it's really that engagement of, at a corporate level all the way down to the people that work in the, you know, in the stores yeah. can, can get involved. Cool. Now, I know it's going to be hard but do you have a favourite tour? I don't know. You know, it's always hard. I think I have favourite bits of tours because of when – when I meet people and, you know, probably I think back to one of the, I, what I found one of the hardest tours, which was far North Queensland, partly because I don't do hot. <laughs> so, you know, take me to far North Queensland, it's never going to end well. But I, I think on that tour, you know, it was a hard tour. It was a hard ride. Um, but I also met people who have gone on to, to be really, you know, close friends yeah. and amazing people. And, and that happens on every tour, but there's just the occasional tour where, Sort of a switch happens where, you know, you're Richard Hoskins and Maz. Yeah. And, you know, those people that you just have gone on to be people I could, you know, know and go back to. And, I, and you know, we, we laugh and sort of say, well, you see each other once a year. How can you be such good friends? And yet you'd be the same. I, you know, I've probably got four or five people that I've met through Tour to Cure yeah. that if something happened in my life tomorrow and I needed help, they, they would be, be there. They would be there. They would exactly, be there in yeah. a second. Yeah, they wouldn't even blink. Yeah. And it's it's interesting that you can develop that bond with people yeah, through can. coming together once a year. Once a year, yes, that's right. And like, there's a lot of there's a few people that I see regularly, mm. but there's, there's others that I don't see because they live interstate or whatever. Mm. And but when you when you get there on tour, it's just the, all the oh, hugs and kisses. It's and, like you've yeah, never yeah, gone, yeah, exactly, you know. It's, it's like it was last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now if that's not enough, you also find time to coach basketball. Yeah, Where <laughs> and who do you coach? Well, I'll take a step back. I'm the president of Mountain Tigers Basketball, which is okay. up in the up in uh, president uh, as well. Okay, yeah, up in uh, Belgrave, Tacoma, in uh, up the top of Burwood Highway. So it's important that I throw that in there. Yeah. Amazing club, uh, amazing people. I'm just the president. The, everyone else does all the work. Um, I've coached for my son started basketball when he was five, and trust me, the first cup first season, I thought this kid is never going anywhere in basketball. <laughs> Three years later, he was playing state league under 12s oh. and he's gone. He went all the way through his 10 years of, of career of playing at state level. Oh, nice. But, you know, the reason I started coaching was I couldn't sit next to my husband any longer because <laughs> he kept asking so many questions. I thought, where can I escape to? And I thought, gee, that bench over there looks good. 
so I went and did the training and, uh, and yeah, I've been coaching now. It'll be 15 years next year. Oh, um, awesome. In awesome. junior basketball. So Mountain Tigers, obviously, but I also coach um, Knox Raiders Knox Ra- okay. uh, on, a, on a Friday night. I know there's lots of uh, lots of, of clubs around here. You know, you've got Seaford down here yeah. and you've got, uh, <laughs> got Frankston down here yeah. and Morning, Mornington Peninsula. There. You've got a lot of clubs down here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, look, it's just a different part. But, but going back to that bit you read on Facebook is – it's it's about coaching basketball, yeah. but it's about mentoring young people, young people in yeah. a way that sport can be a vehicle for learning, um, good and bad. Yes, um, you know I love walking around our stadium at Knox and and eighteen, nineteen, twenty year olds saying hi to me, having a chat to me that I coached as eleven year olds. How, how good is that? It is excellent, and and you know I look at some of these kids and they're outstanding young men and women. Um, yeah. And I've just recently switched to coaching um, young girls. Okay. I've been boys for the best part of 10 years Um, because I just think it's, it's, you know, as much as everyone talks about women in sport and girls in sport, um, there is still a disparity between how we approach and treat our our girls in how they they learn and so be part of the solution, not part of the problem. So a lot of coaches wouldn't go across to the girls and I said, well, Let's do this. Yeah, you know, let's awesome. go across and do this and, and make an impact. Um, uh-huh. I'm still learning, you know. Yeah. I mean, any, I've got 11 and 12 in one team and I've got 14 and 15-year-old girls in the other one. Um, <laughs> well, that'd be challenging. Ch- yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, 14 and 15-year-old boys as well. I, I know when I was coaching football, 14 and 15-year-old boys, it's, yeah, it's pretty hard. It is. <laughs> it's, it, is. It's, it is challenging. Yeah. Yes, yeah. But again, you know, when it gets hard and when, you know, behaviours don't match what you expect – there's always reasons for everything. Yeah, there is exactly. And I literally ran into one of the kids that was probably one of the toughest young men I, I had to coach. It, lots of you know, lots of family issues, lots mm. of everything going on. And I ran into him this morning in Woolies oh, really? at uh, near St Joseph's because he goes he's year twelve at St Joe's, okay. and he was with you know six seven other you know big tall you know six foot four young men. Um, and he, he said hello to me and actually stopped to talk to me regardless of the fact oh, that he was with a group of his, his mates. That's awesome. And yeah. I think, you know, if, if that's if that's where it's ended up, I'm good with that. Yeah, exactly right. I, I remember many years ago I was at a bar having a beer and I got a tap on the shoulder and I, go, I look beyond I'm looking up, up top there and I go, shit, who the hell is this? And he goes, you don't remember me? He said, no, you coached me as a kid. And we started chatting having a beer together. Like, mm. like he'd grown up to be this massive Unit. <laughs> Unit, exactly. But he was happy to chat to me, you know, I'm a nobody. And he was just sitting at the bar having a beer, mm. chatting with me. It was, it, was, it was brilliant. I loved it. Mm. It was awesome. If sport can create good humans, Absolutely. then that's that's the step we take. Exactly right. You know, if we put that at the forefront of all coaching we do, that we're trying to create a good human to leave, you know, and become a grown-up, <clears throat> then everything else we do will match into that. Exactly. So what about yourself? What sport did you play as a kid and um, what are you involved in? At the moment, any sport at the moment, yourself? Now, just to make it clear, I was terrible at all sport. <laughs> I went to a, a girls' school um, that was predominantly Greek and Italian. Okay. So there was uh, 13 white Anglo-Saxon females at this school. We made up every sports team. Pretty much we were the volleyball team, the basketball yeah. team, the swimming team, that you name it. Um, I wasn't particularly good at any of them. And, in fact, I was forced to go to the sports that my sister, who was a year ahead, dad goes – well, whatever sport you do, it better be the one your sister does because I'm not taking you to two trainings. <laughs> so I joined the swim squad and couldn't dive in the pool, you nice. know. That's I mean, not a you good know, start. Not a good start, <laughs> but I stuck with it yeah. and I could swim eventually, oh, properly, good. I should say, <laughs> properly. Um, 
And but yeah, I was never exceptional at anything to be honest. But I was always participating. Yeah, you know, I was good. always yeah. there with them. I was always doing it, and it's not always about being, you know, the best the at best everything at it, yeah. you do. I, I having a crack. Yeah, I had a crack, as mm. did all my girlfriends. We made up the teams. It was all good. Right, good. Um, and so I always say, you know, people say, oh, you know, because in coaching, you know, there's the first question is, where did you play? Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, I played in high school and I wasn't any good. And they look at me and I say, but doesn't make me a bad coach. No, no. You know, so. Sometimes it makes a better coach. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not a particularly good at sports. However, I do train six days a week myself. You do? Because, well, partly, you know, to keep your health good. Yes. Because you, you're not here for a long time. And That's my motto here for a good time, not a long, long time. time. But I want to make sure I buy as much of that time exactly, as possible. Yes. So I get up and train at 6 a.m. outdoors every morning good. with a group and uh, people laugh at me and I'm at work at 7.30 and I've already done exercise. So Beautiful. I'm ahead of the game. Exactly right. All right. I should say actually, yes, but I did on. buy a bike, didn't I, this year? You did buy a bike. I did buy a, a bike. A, a, more importantly, are you riding that bike? I rode it all summer. And I bought it back from Malakuta with me okay. and it's downstairs and I just need to find a friend to go trail bike riding with <laughs> on, on my mountain bike. The, the Triple B uh, was nice enough to uh, – I love that bike so uh, much. Awesome. <laughs> um, so as the weather gets better, I'll be finding friends to hoot around uh, Lissafield with. Okay, nice, yeah. nice. All right. All right, let's go to an ad break. Uh, you're listening to Triple B Socials. Don't worry about a thing. Because Atticus Health will make you feel all right. Don't worry about a thing. Because Atticus Health will make you feel all right. If you got a tummy ache or you don't feel right. Or if you have a nasty rash keeping you up at night. Don't worry, Don't worry about a thing. Don't worry. Because Atticus Health will make you feel all right. Welcome back to Triple B Socials with our very special guest, Kez. All right, Kez, a little about you and your family, if you don't mind. Uh, yes, I have. I like to say I have three adults at home. Okay, uh, one I'm married to, and two yep. I gave birth to. Um, nice. <laughs> my husband's a Sparky, so okay. completely different to me. Um, he says he married me so he didn't have to talk at events. Um, <laughs> he's probably right. Um, so yeah, he has his own business up the hills. So just getting back to your husband. Sorry. So at the basketball, you're sitting next to him. Mm. So where does he sit now? Well, he doesn't get to sit anywhere near me, which is great. <laughs> he has to sit on the other side of the court. I do still, when my son played, and as I said, he played for 10 years. Yeah. Um, well, for for most of those years, I was coaching a different team. I didn't coach Chris's team. Okay, yeah. So we wouldn't have to go home in the same cars even. So I wouldn't even hear that story. <laughs> it, it, it so it's pretty hard. But I'd still hear it the next day. Yeah. You know, the, every, every parent's a great coach, as we know. Absolutely. Um, I've got two, two kids. Chris yep. has just turned 21. He's... Um, a surveyor um, okay. or an assistant surveyor, whatever they want to call them. Yeah. Found that by accident, not not the path he was taking, but, you know, those people that stand on the road with the poles looking yeah, through yeah, the little things. Yeah, yes, yeah. I know those, yes. But he's loving that. He's outdoors. He's perfect for him. He's happy. He's, uh, you know, six foot five, plays basketball and football, you know, living the dream pretty where, much. Where, where does he play basketball and football? Uh, he plays basketball actually just locally at Knox now. He just yep. plays uh, with his mates. Yep. He, he gave up the competitive stuff. Well, he's sort of competitive. Yeah. And he plays footy up at uh, Belgrave oh, nice. uh, Football Netball Club. They had their first win 
in 1,449 games at the start of the season. Don't even start. <laughs> there, were, there were men crying, <laughs> crying, Triple B. They were on the ground crying. Can you imagine. <laughs> so they've got a young group up there. And then Sophie is – Sophie's 24. She's uh, She did science. Um, Following a mother's footsteps. Yeah, she was a bit and then COVID hit. Okay. And so she'd planned to do honours and, I mean, doing honours during COVID was nobody's fun, so she gave that up. And just kept working in disability and various things. Um, and then she decided last year to go back and do a Master's of Teaching. Okay. Because who doesn't want a female scientist teacher in schools? Everybody. Yeah. So she's very highly sought after. She's got six months left. Oh, nice. Um, working at a school up in uh, up in Croydon as a, an assistant. Um, and will be an exceptional teacher. Beautiful. She's an exceptional young lady and... You know, I'm, I'm, they're both great, but I'm very fortunate to have a have a really uh, good friend nice, in, in nice. there as well. So where did you meet your husband? I actually met my husband. I knew his brother first. Okay. Uh, and it is one of those things that lined up though because I'd gone uh, – I was working in science obviously and, and I decided to go and do summer camp in the US. Oh, really? But needed sort of two and a half months off, you know, and I went to my boss at Monash Uni and I said, look, I really want to do this. I'll either quit – yeah. Or if you can give me two and a half months off, I'll come back. Yeah. And he said, well, I want you to come back, so I'll give you that. So off nice. I went and I came back and, and literally three days after I came back, I ran into Steve's brother, John, um, in the building because, funnily enough, one of my best friends, you know, the whole mates thing, you yeah. know, they her, her, her boyfriend was his best mate and all this sort of stuff. Um, and he said, oh, you better come to my 21st Saturday night. I'm like, oh, I just got back, you know, yeah. I'm exhausted. He goes, no, 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 you have to come, you have to come. And uh, and the rest is history. That's where okay. I'm, that's where I met Steve. Oh, so nice. I've been friends with John for probably a year or so. Yep. Um, then, before I met him, so you met Steve. So you'd know the answer to this thing. So how long have you been married for? Too long. Oh come on! You can't say too long. Twenty eight so, years. Okay, beautiful. I do know it. Twenty eight because oh. it's it's on the five, which helps. You know, twenty twenty five will be will be uh, thirty. Yep. Um, okay. Although you, you say that, you know, we always laugh and say, you know, it's you don't get that much for murder and yeah, you yeah, know, all yeah, these yeah. sort of things. But and, and yet it's still it just goes in a flash. But it must work. Well, we haven't killed each other. Well, like, um, it's working then. And, <laughs> and you know, to some degree, we were the you know a bit of it. I personally think a bit of it also comes from. We do have our own space. You know, we do yeah. have our own things. He's an avid fisherman, thus okay. the house in Malacuta, of course. We didn't buy a house in Malacuta to go bushwalking, trust no, me. No, no. <laughs> um, but he's an avid fisherman. I love, you know, the basketball. I mean, he always followed the kids around um, with me. And, you know, we, we have our own things as well. So, okay. you know, I have my tour de cure. He has, yep. you know, if he says I want to go away for a week fishing, I'm the first one to go. Absolutely. Go for it, yeah. Great for mental health, exactly, great for your own yeah. wellness. You've got to keep those yep. mates. You've got to spend time with them. 100%, 100%. Yeah. And I think I've taught that a bit to my kids. I, I watch my son with his partner and um, and I see that, you know, they're very the same. She's very the same. You know, they have their time where they can go out. They're not all on top of each other. No. But no. it creates, so you've got lots of you together things. Yeah. But you can, it's okay to have some you, new you, things. Have have. You, you time, my time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need you need that in a relationship. Absolutely. So what school and uni did you attend? I went to Sacred Heart Girls College in Oakley. Oh. Thus I went to – thus the Greek-Italian yeah. mix. I was going to get to that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's the reason there was yeah. only 13 of us yeah, in there. Okay. Um, obviously, it still is very Greek and Italian, it, it of is. course. It is. But um, back then was more so. Oh, I mean – I don't know now because I reckon Oakley's pretty Greek now. 
Yeah, or yeah. great restaurants. Yeah, you know. oh, yeah. He doesn't love, love a trip to Vanilla, yeah. let's be honest. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Get a plug in Vanilla. Oh, I know, but everyone loves going there, yeah, let's yeah. be right. Um, yeah, so we, we went there even though we lived we lived in Dingley actually oh, when okay. we first started. Oh, yeah, we grew up in Dingley. Oh, you grew up in Dingley. Yeah, okay. and then we moved to Glen Waverley but we still went to Sacred Heart because okay. two buses and you could get there, you know. Um, yeah. But Dad worked around the corner, so his theory was he was he's a, he was a lawyer, so he worked down in Hewsdale. Oh, yep. yep so I it just kind of worked out for it to drop drop us to school and pick us up. And well, I grew up around that area myself as well. Yeah. So where about in Glen Waverley were you? Uh, Hinkler Road. Okay. Just opposite the, the Glen. Opposite the Glen. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. Actually, the reason part of the reason we went to Sacred Heart is my mum went there. Oh, okay. My mum was one a founding student of Sacred oh, okay, Heart, yeah. so we were the first second generation students oh, to go nice. to that school. So I lived the other side off Ferntree Gully Road near the Notting Hill Hotel. Um, you know they're not. Well, particularly <laughs> in that I then uh, went to Monash University. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I worked there at the same time as going there, so I worked there for the best part of thirteen years of, and went obviously went to uni there while I was working, and um, which was half the reason I went there. You know, yeah. money ran low. Would you like to finish your degree? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but many a Friday afternoon at the Knot, of course. Well, and Thursday night used to be uni nights. Yes, you, Thursday night was uni you, night. You people used to invade our pub. Oh, I know. You know what? And it's still it's still a great pub. It is a great pub. They, they have bands there yeah, on a Saturday. I, and, I was oh. actually there last Friday for, for lunch. We had a golf day and we had lunch at, at, yeah. the, at the Knot, yeah. And yeah. it hasn't – I mean, okay, they've done up the decor, but the beer garden's still there. It's still, there. It's still yeah, the no, same. No, it's still the same. No. <laughs> hasn't changed one bit. No, no not at all. An awesome pub. An awesome pub. In fact, listeners – Back in my day, and it's going back a long time ago, let's, let's say 50-odd years ago when I was a teenager, the Knot had the highest beer sales in Victoria, and that was a, a 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. pub. So <laughs> It was to, hit hard. It was hit hard, yeah. You bloody uni students. Was, well, <laughs> uni students, and in, in that, that time it was fairly industrial area was, too. Yeah, I was, mean, it still it was, is a little yeah. bit, still but, is, yeah. but, but yeah, no, yeah no, had no, a whole mix. <laughs> like I say, it hasn't changed much at all. No. So besides Kez, did you have any other nicknames growing up? Yes, actually, one of my and I'm going to have to send her this because she actually lives in Karen. One of my uh, one of my best friends. So I, I'm still in touch with um, a group of six of us from hot, from secondary school. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. we catch up. Uh, oh, very we good. catch up a lot actually, yeah. and Claire, Claire's local to here. Um, shout out to Claire. Yeah, shout out to Claire. I'll, I'll have to tell her she'll have to listen there. <laughs> she will. Um, and she's absolutely awesome chick, and uh, and she nicknamed me Bill. Because my yeah I know, but my maiden name is Billings. Oh okay. So yeah. to this day, she still they, they, yeah they still all call me. Some call me Kez. I still get Bill a lot. We all had various yeah, random yeah. nicknames, but she came from a big family in in that lived in Oakley, and um, all of them had different nicknames that didn't necessarily match Matt, their, their names. Name, you know yeah. what I mean? Yep. So yep. so I think it was just a it was just part of the parcel is if if you join the clan uh, and you're around her family, you had to have a nickname. Have a nickname exactly. Okay. Exactly. So what is the one thing people may be surprised to find out about your kids? I don't think I've got a I don't think I've got a lot of surprises no? in me, to be honest. Okay, I think okay, cool. well, I'm not exactly a quiet wallflower, so you know, <laughs> most people all know most things. No, yeah. Um I always bring out the one that, that makes everyone laugh because I know that it can't be found. And and you're old enough to know this one. I did um in before I met Steve, not actually just before I went to summer camp, I uh I went on blind date. Oh, okay. The show? Uh, yes, I remember blind. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Show my age. Okay. And you, yeah, you and I, but but you'll never find it because everyone's tried, and it's the only place that video copy is in in a locked vault in my house. <laughs> um, it go it goes with the house. That, that's the only place it lives. My kids have never seen it either. Oh, really? No, my kids have never seen oh, it. you got to show us one day. The girls too. in my basketball team want a movie night because one of the parents still has a video recorder and they think they're going to play it and watch it. Oh, die now. Um, 
but the little link to Tour de Cure is it. The I you know we won I won you know I was one of the three I got picked okay. you know very special I got selected yeah um and we went to Coffs Harbour okay yeah. a Nuka Beach resort oh nice when it opened and and Triple B would know we've used a Nuka Beach resort on um on tour de cure trips yes. probably four times. And every time I go there, I still know which room I was in. I walk past it, I glance at it and I go, just a little nod, you know, a little yep. nod of appreciation as I walk past. <laughs> and, uh, and and it was only recently my sister said to me, I never really asked you how good a trip was it. And I looked at it and I said, it was a good trip. It okay. was a very good trip. Okay. But he lived in Coburg and back then, you know, that was a long way from the Waverley. It was a long way. I wasn't exactly. prepared to travel no, that far for, no, for, for no, anything. No, no. no. <laughs> you know, not like kids these days, no. you know, they just jump on in an Uber. But, but no, yeah, yeah no. Nah. Back in those days, yeah, yeah Glen Waverley to Coburg. Yeah, it, was it was a good hour. Uh, yeah. Plus. Yeah, right, so yeah, nah. 100%. But, but, um, but yes, so that was my, my one and only TV debut. Okay. <laughs> More than most. <laughs> um, I know you've got a fascination in boots. Oh, I do. It's terrible. Uh, how many do you have? It. Uh, we don't count. Don't, we don't oh, talk oh, about the sorry. numbers. Okay, sorry. Okay, do you have a favourite pair? Oh, I probably mm, yeah. I do have a favourite pair. I will just say we don't know the number, but as as you well know, unfortunately, up in the hills, a tree fell on my house a couple of years yes, ago. Yes, yes. Crushed the house, and the, the the where the where the boots were was left like a little portaloo on the corner of the house, and so. We had to have a make it safe man come to help us empty the room, you know, and, and take all the all the clothes out yeah. and all the boots. Let's just say they just kept coming and my husband's look was like, how are they all in there? Do you own all of these? And I'm like, maybe I do. Um, but I probably do. And, and I like to say it because my favourite pair I bought when I was last in Rome. Okay. Yeah, I've only been to Rome once and I'm ne- probably never get to go back. But anyway, is uh, there's a boot shop next to the Trevi Fountain and oh, apparently yeah. it's still there. Okay. So if you go to the Trevi Fountain, have a look. Have a look, okay. And they're these beautiful black boots with embroidered roses on them, uh, like a tapestry. Nice. And my nice. sister saw them first and I almost took her out as I pushed her aside <laughs> just in case there was only one in, in our size, which there was. And I bought them home and, she, and she, I still wear them. She was the same size as you? She is the same size yeah. as me and she just had to lose. She it, had to lose? She had to lose. She there was, lost. There was no <laughs> negotiation. She, no. She, she, <laughs> she looks at them when I wear them with a with a longing look and I just I just smile. Do you, know, you ever think of uh, you can borrow them for one yeah, session? No, she can buy her own. She can oh, buy okay. other ones. She can't have them. <laughs> <laughs> so what got you interested in the boots? I don't even know where that started. It's because I'm not really a, you know, I'm not a, you know, fancy clothes and makeup person. Yeah, I don't yeah. work in an industry where I have to dress up. Yeah, yeah. I think just something happened along the way where it was actually around, and and you wouldn't have known Shelley. Um, I don't think you knew Shelley, but no. Shelley joined the very first tour I was on. Shelley was on, and she had breast cancer. Okay. And she always talked about you know wearing something bright, and I wasn't necessarily a bright clothes person, um, but she was always bright. She was yeah. she was an amazing woman, and. I think somewhere around there I, I bought a pair and people were like, whoa, what is that? They were every colour under the rainbow. I think I've seen those pairs. Yeah, yeah, they've been on tour a few yeah, times. Yes. And I thought, you know what, you know, even if you're wearing full black, you can make your Mate. boots. And, look, I remember wearing – I actually wore that rose pair when Olivia last visited Owen Jane. Okay. So a few years back, of course, and I had to meet up with her and just for a moment to, to sort of pass someone along to her. Mm-hmm. And as I went to turn around, all I heard was, 
oh, I like those boots. <laughs> and I, a bit of me walked away like, Olivia likes my, my boots. boots. There you Excellent. go, folks. <laughs> but, yeah, it was Shelley's little thing and, and, you know, it's sort of one of those, you, know, you get a bit of a signature thing yep. and it's kind of stuck, yeah. Oh, nice, nice. So do you have a favourite quote or saying? I do and it, I think it works for works for where I work, more yeah. importantly, but mm-hmm. it also works in sport and everything else. Yeah. And it's do not be defined by the challenges you face but by how you face the challenges. Yeah. Nice. And I think, you know, I see that in the people we treat, mm-hmm. you know. I see that in sport. Yeah. You know, things can go wrong and you can become the spoiled little brat and you can stomp up and down and, and that's how people will remember how the incident. Yes. Or you can stand up and you can you can change and you can make a difference. Make a difference, yeah. And, and you can behave in a way that people will say how strong you are and how – you know, brave, how ready you were to, to react. And and I just like that concept of sometimes you just – even everything we do, you sort of get down and then you think, I'm just I'm just looking like a bit of a turd, to be yeah. honest. You know, like brush it off. You know, what are people going to see you as? How are you going to respond to this? Yeah. Um, so I use that a lot. You know, Very I use good. it a lot oh. to remind myself, so, yeah. remind my kids yeah, you, when, you exactly, know, oh, yeah. look, something went wrong. Oh, wow. Um, but it, it is a very good one in sport. It is. It is. Ex- absolutely. Absolutely. So um, you can be selfish here. What makes you happy? Being around good people makes yeah, me happy. That's, that's pretty Being cool. Being around, yeah, 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 I don't have to have, you know, it's not things or even places. I mean, sitting on the porch looking out over to, uh, to you know, all the way out to the lighthouse at Malakuta is not, not a bad place to be happy, yeah. I must admit, and to wind down. But, you know, you can be having the worst day and five minutes around good people can change it that. Just change so it brightens you up. Yeah. If you can surround yourself with good people, yep. And when you happen to come across that one that's perhaps not, don't take it on board. You know, quality not Qual- quantity. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You can. You, yeah. We're allowed to say no. Yep. You know, and we move back to the people you know that we love and that, love that are yeah. good at. So yeah. makes you feel good as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've discussed your your career a fair bit, and um, in your early days, you worked at Monash Uni to fund your way through uni, but. What was your first ever job? Oh, you're going to show our age here, you know. I worked in Oakley. I am a lot older than you, by the not, way. Not, not, all, uh, not as much uh, as you think, I uh, think. Uh, I worked in Oakley. Yeah. I worked at Fossies. Oh, did you really? Fossies. Now, listen, most listeners wouldn't even know. <laughs> no, think of Cheap Man's Target, target really, yes, you know, yeah, yeah. before Target was yes, Target. Yes. Yeah, yes. no, Fossies. I remember Fossies there, yeah, in oh, Oakley. Yeah, in next door was the, uh, was the Coles. Coles. Uh, it was, um, the, but, oh. yeah, not your Coles supermarket. No, no, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was like like a big W store. Yeah, Coles. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah everyone, all my, our girlfriends, we worked at one or the other. Okay, yeah, nice, nice. So because because across the road from the Coles was the was Peter Alexander Jeans. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's another oh, jean shop around the corner. And we're I showing to, our age. Oh, That's I enough know. Of that. <laughs> Luckily, eventually, Dad. Well, actually, just before I turned eighteen, Dad was president up at Sandringham. Um, and he got us all jobs behind the bar. So, <laughs> oh, you know, nice. yeah, we went on to pulling beers for football players. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Very good. Um, I had friends pulling beers for me at the Knot, so that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's well. always handy too. Yeah, it, was, it was very <laughs> handy, trust me. Um, the first car you ever owned? Oh, Datsun 1000. Colour? Baby blue. Did you have a name for it? No, I didn't. Good. That's no, enough. No, <laughs> because it was called Grandma's Car. Oh. Because everyone laughed at it. Because back then we, d- we didn't go and buy a new car when we were 18. No. We got whatever heap we could find. Right, exactly. Yeah. And my, my grandma had moved, had come to Melbourne, you know, was unwell in her sort of last couple of years. And Dad said, 
well, you can catch the train to Cobram and get the blue <laughs> car and bring it back. And we're like, oh, okay, well, that's where it was. Yep. And I think I had it for about two and a half years before I bought the Astra, you know, oh, the, the Astra, Astra. Yeah, Holden Astra, yeah. yes, I remember those. And I think my sister had it for another two and a half years. Um, and, you know, I mean, classic car, yeah. you know, nothing, you know, no. old school. But I, I actually have a picture of it when my sister was, they bought it when my sister was three. She's three okay. years younger than me. Okay, yeah. And there's a picture in my albums of her standing in front of the new Datsun 1000, you know, Beautiful. with such pride. <laughs> <laughs> um, which superhero would you like to be and what power would you have? See, I'm not really a superhero no, girl. No, no which is funny because I, I hang around a lot of superheroes. I'd like you, to be Yoda. Yoda, now, it's okay. not a superhero, but I'd like to just sprout wise things as yeah, I walked around. That's fair enough. You know. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fair enough. No, no problems with that. So um, what's your signature cooking dish? Oh, look, I'm not a particularly great cook, would you believe? I really am average. I make a great lasagna. Well, there you go. That's, Apparently, that's your signature dish. you know, whenever I start to slow down a bit, not cook enough food, I usually get the, can you just make lasagna? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, they're okay. trying to tell me something, you know, but not bad on the pasta dishes. I must oh, be, nice. I have learned in the last couple of years how to make a good steak though. Like, yeah, I watched I'm, enough MasterChef. Yes, yeah, I'm getting better at it as yeah, well. Yeah, oh, the seasoning and yeah, the timing yeah, 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 and the whole pan yeah. heat. That's it. And yeah. and they are impressed now because I must admit the steaks are good, but it's only taken, you know, 30 years. Hey, <laughs> people wait for good things, don't we? That's about right. That. Um, so what three people dead or alive would you invite to have either your lasagna or your, or your steak? Well – I had an answer when I was on Blind Date that got me the date <laughs> and that surrounded who I would want to sing on stage with and the same applies is I'd love to sit down and have a steak with Jimmy Barnes. Okay, yes. Because yeah. I just think his his whole life story and if you've read yeah. his books is, you know, you see the, the rocker but, yeah. you know, there's so much so, more so, to it than that. more to it, yeah, exactly, yes. Um, you know, every, everyone always has the, you know, the, uh, you know, I would have loved to have, you know, probably spent more time with my own dad. Yeah, yes. To yeah. be honest, you know, yeah. I think you grow up and I mean, you, do, you know, yeah. I only died 10 years ago, actually 10 years ago last week and 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 it feels like you know at the time it's like passing time that's what happens, you know, these things happen, but at that the further away from it you get, the less you realize yeah. you spent with them, yeah. you know? I, I, I totally understand. I no, it's You know, one, it's not one, a regret so to speak, but it's uh, more of a I didn't realize I didn't, back then. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. you didn't you realize. You, you think you got a lot of time ahead of you, but yeah, and yeah. I say the same for my grandma. She died when I was sort of 21. But, you know, since then through letters and diaries that, that both my grandfather and her kept during the war okay. pre- predominantly, I've learnt so much about oh, her. Nice. And, and and it's kind of explained, you know, she was a pretty tough nut, you yeah, know. She yeah. she wasn't, you know, she wasn't always the sweet and nice. You know, the other grandma was the one that gave you the birdie beetles <laughs> and you went to this grandma and it was a bit hard line. Hard, yeah. But, you hard know, love, tough love. Yeah, but when you when you realise how they grow up and where they grew up and, and, and again, it's that regret that, you know, they we didn't know those stories when yeah, they were alive. And one alive, of the yeah. things I must admit with my kids, you know, along with all these weird things, I'm actually a really avid scrapbooker. Okay. And our house, the only thing we saved when the tree fell on it is I made the kids rescue the albums before the lounge room got crushed, you know. <laughs> they might have gone with it, but it was all good. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's, 78, the scrapbooks. Tra- there's 70 or 80 albums in there of wow. photos which go back to my grandparents' vintage. Wow. I, I wrote their stories and I've written my oh, parents' awesome. stories. That'd be awesome. And my kids have had their stories there and I just hope, 
you know, even though not everyone's around later, I hope that as they get to kind of like what we do into our 40s and go, gee, I wish I'd had more time. Yeah. Yes. That yeah. they can go back and read those stories. Yeah. You know, the stories are still there yeah. and they'll feel like that there's that connection yeah. that somebody bothered to do that. Uh, one of the things that I've missed in life is I didn't get to meet any of my grandparents mm. because they're overseas and they died young and uh, et cetera. So, and, and I didn't ask enough questions when I was younger. To my, Absolutely. It's I, I one of my regrets. I didn't ask enough questions to my parents about their life back in, in Greece or wherever. Uh, I just didn't ask enough questions. No, and, and I agree with that. Yeah. And I'm probably only, you know, I've got – you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate my mum's still alive, yeah. although, you know, obviously late 70s. And it's probably more now that, you know, I've always appreciated her. But, you know, you rush through life, you've got kids, oh, yeah. that I sit there and I think, you know, I want, I want to know her enough that when that time comes, yeah. I feel like I had a connection yeah. rather yes. than just pushing through life. Yeah. Yeah. And Steve's very lucky both of his parents are still oh, alive. Okay. And yeah. the same thing, I, I want my kids to feel that relationship mm. and to feel that, you know, there were people – that they knew those stories that went with them as well. Yes, so, yeah. you know. Yeah, it, it's nice. And I, and I find kids these days, they um, connect more with, with, with us than what we did. It's like it's a huge gen- there was a huge generation gap between myself and my parents. Mm. That generation gap between my kids and, and myself isn't as, as wide as what it was when, when I was growing up. And I think that's true. You know, I, yeah. see, I see Steve you know, having moved, Chris moved to a new footy club Steve's and it's like five minutes from home, so I can drop him off, so he can have a beer. Um, but still, you know, he's he's down there. He it's not like he hasn't walked away because he's no. finished juniors. You know, he wants to go to his footy games. He wants to be involved, and you know, I mean, yeah. sometimes they give you a little bit of a bugger off, but, but yeah. you know, and same with you know, I know Sophie's probably only you know twelve months away from you know finishing her degree and probably moving out. Yeah, um, she you know she's probably saved enough money by then because she's a clever little one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm going to mourn that time when it's, they go. Exactly, so yeah, I want to spend yeah, time with them and, and I yeah. love that she wants to spend time with me. That's, that's good. It's, it's, it's awesome that they want, they want to spend time with mm, you. Yeah, mm. they, like I say, to me, my, I, I didn't enjoy that time spending yeah, with parents. I, yeah. I wasn't into that. I was more into going home, eating, sleeping, going out with my mates. Yeah. That, and that, I was, that was a, my lifestyle, was a save. And, yeah. and I think because I moved out at 18, not, not particularly because – you know, I was desperate to, but Dad bought a news agent. He, he was a lawyer, <laughs> but he'd have thought he'd have a few years off and buy a news agent because okay. that's not much work. No, um, no, not at all. Yeah, over at uh, over in Box Hill South. Okay, and it had a little residence above. Okay, and he said, "I'd love to, you know, if you want to move in, that'd be great. Great, you yeah. know, because then there's always someone there. It's safe." Yeah, yeah. I figured out it was only because when the newspaper guy that threw the <laughs> papers out of the little buggy didn't turn up. He could just tell me to come down and run the shop at six a.m. so he exactly. could go deliver the newspapers. It had nothing to do with no, safety. Of course not. Your, fa- your father was a lawyer. He was a pretty smart. Oh, man. he was not a stupid man at all. You know, and it's like, can you get up? I'm like, it's quarter to six. Well, sorry, I need you. Oh, look, I've really lost out here. <laughs> exactly. Oh, sorry. Um, favorite band or artist? Well, I probably gave that one away because I was, you know, a big. Cold Chisel, Jimmy Barnes fan, mm-hmm. big, yeah, big, yeah, yeah. still big, still big, yeah, still go to many a many a concert, you know, and and I think just that Aussie rock era, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, that era of you know Diesel and the Injectors yes, yes. and and Mondo Rock and yep. you know just loved it. Yeah, I, no, I, it, was, it was pretty awesome. I think yeah. most of the first you know three years of working, my money went to concert tickets, concert tickets, yes, or or pub tickets because yep. of course everyone played in pubs exactly, back then as yes, well, yes. Um, but I still still love a good, you know, and, and on the flip side, strangely enough, um, I'm also going to Michael Bublé soon. So, you know, we like a bit of everything. I, I, my taste evolved as I've gotten older as well. I mean, I appreciate a lot of other music than what, than what I did as, as a oh, teenager and as absolutely. a youngster. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. I think you broaden it yeah, so yeah, amazingly. You, you, you yeah. do, you do. Like, like 
with all due respects, growing up, I didn't like listening to female singers. Yeah. I didn't like listening to country country and western music. I love it now. Yeah. Well, not, not love it, but I, I enjoy listening that's to right. it. You get Spotify but, out yeah, and you go, yeah. geez, that's a that's a real mishmash of yeah, numbers, exactly, isn't it? Where'd exactly, that come 100%, 100%, from? You know, 100%, 100%, I mean, still yeah. love the Queens and you yeah. know, like all of that yeah. music. But that that nineties era of of you know legendary sort of yeah. music was was amazing and still nice. listening. So, do you have a favourite song we can play? Oh, I do, and and it probably matches me. And my husband laughs because it's a song I play when I'm pulling up to the Friday night games before I get out of the car to go and coach the girls, uh, and it's Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. Okay, so listeners, we're going to be playing Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. My name is Océane, I come from Martinia, and you are listening to Radio Carom. <laughs> Whoa, don't stop me now. Hey, by Queen. Because I've got to tell you, um, out of whole podcasts, I enjoyed doing the podcast, podcast but I've got to uh, tell you. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, um, I've got to tell you that I, I love asking that question. It's one of my favourite questions to ask people, my guests, what's their favourite song is because I sort of tend to play my own music. I don't tend to listen to a lot of other music. And when I listen to other people's music and I, and I listen to it, I get, a really, I get a real buzz out of it. No, that, was, that was brilliant. I, I loved it. That was awesome. Thank you very much for that. No, it's all good. Uh, good. Um, so what's been your favourite holiday, holiday destination to date? Oh, look, in the last couple of years, we haven't had any. I'm surprised no. I can remember any of them. Look, I've been pretty fortunate to have, have lots of amazing sort of trips. Um, probably two. One, we went to Malaysia one year and went to Kota Kinabalu, mm-hmm. um, both to see the orangutans, of okay, course. Okay, yes. Um, but also to the war memorial there. Yeah. Um, no. And just, you know, we, we flew up there just for the day for a special trip when we were, we were staying nearby and, and – you know, going to places where, you know, it has that history, it's easy to think of it like a tourist destination and, and, and that's all. And I like to sort of embrace myself into that that thing. And, and look, I'd have to say, you know, we were talking about it earlier, you know, I was very fortunate my mum took um, my sisters and I on a trip to, to uh, the UK and Europe um, for five weeks and, and, you know, we'll never get that time again. I don't think we'll ever get to travel the four of us again. And, yeah. you know, there was some, there yeah. was some ups and downs in it because you put three sisters in one place with, yeah. with mum and, <laughs> you know, we know that's not always going to go well. What but, could possibly go wrong? Oh, what, could go, what could go wrong? <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm forever thankful that, that she wanted to do that for yeah. us and, no, and, no. and I know my sisters and I will look back on that. You know, even in years to come, and, yeah. and realise how special that was. And talk about it. Yeah, it yeah, it was. It's a real yeah. memory it, to it. It is absolutely. So, do you have a bucket list destination that you haven't been to? Somewhere Africa, Africa. Yeah, yeah. Years ago, I wanted to go and do a photo safari. I, and again, it was sort of we we had some money, and, and it was a case of what do we do with it. And, and strangely enough, it became a bathroom and a boat. Uh, <laughs> I wanted it to be a bathroom and a safari trip to Africa, yeah. but I also figured. The boat wasn't a bad investment, yeah. Because any time I said I want to buy boots, I just point, <laughs> I just point at the boat, which was out the window of the kitchen, yep. and still is out the window of the kitchen. And pretty much that ended the conversation. Exactly. So okay. you know, I bought myself years of boots. Fair enough. Now, if you ever do decide to go to Africa, mm. give us a, a, a shout because I I got friends who's 
in-laws and, and nephew that, that do tours to, to Africa. Oh, wow. And, and it's Amazing. Pretty, pretty impressive, yeah. No, no I definitely and, and still, I'm going to do it. Linda, who was on, on episode four, her her brother-in-law takes tours and her, and her nephew takes tours up there. And, oh, and, wow. And, and they reckon it's both her and her husband say it's the best trip that they've ever been yeah. on Africa. Yeah. No, awesome. it's going to happen. The camera's awesome. going to get packed yeah, and okay. we're going to go. Yep. Let me know. Um, I, think, I think I know the answer to this, but I'll ask the question. Is there one place you'd like to retire to? No, see, I don't. You don't know the I answer. I don't know the answer. No, there you go. because oh, okay. because we didn't I, look. I personally didn't buy Malakuta to retire. Oh, of course not. My no. husband will retire next week, though. Yeah, exactly. He would yeah. he would shift in there in, in a millisecond yeah. and probably leave me behind. Um, but that's easy to say when you're early fifties. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've got a lot of living to do, and you have. eventually, the, so you're way younger than me. <laughs> well, I said earlier, they're not. Well, it's not as early as you think, but I'm rolling with it's it. Um, but you know, I mean, the, there'll be grandkids. There'll yeah. be all these sort of things, and. And so I'm not. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. As I yeah. said, hubby, no, hubby would yeah. go there now. Yeah, but yeah. I'd like something where I can do both. Okay. Yeah. If I can I get a helicopter to fly between Malakuta and Melbourne, I'd be fine yeah, with it. Hundred percent. Because that drive <laughs> yeah. is a suck. Yeah, it is a suck. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's true. Um, I don't know. If you have time, but you know the busy lifestyle that you have. But is there a series or movie that that that, that you can recommend? Um. No, I'm not. Well, actually, I do love do love movies. Yeah. I'm a I'm a bit of you know, if anything from you know, late eighties, nineties comes on on Foxdale, I'm watching it again. You know, I'm a big love actually. Not okay. Notting Hill. Notting I must Hill, have watched yeah. that movie about fifty times, and yet it still comes on, and I go, oh, Notting oh, Hill's on. Oh, what's that? Um, you know, I, I do like you know that sort of real rom com sort yep. of. And I must admit, I have got very engulfed in the uh, Bridgerton series. Uh, just, just quietly, just listeners, quiet. get on to yep. Queen Charlotte if you haven't done okay. it already. It's worth a look. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, do you have a favourite all-time movie? Then is Notting Hill your favourite all-time movie? No, no I would have I... two favourite all-time movies: Top Gun. Yeah. Which one? Well, I loved the second one, but yep. the first one is still the original. So, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yep, yep. And Dirty Dancing. <laughs> Dirty Dancing was just you know when when you're you know late eighties it's yep. just, just and it holds yeah. the test of time you yeah, watch it, it does, I mean yeah. you know I mean some some things have changed but loved Patrick Swayze so yeah, yeah. Brainy was on a couple of weeks ago and Top Gun was his as well oh yeah to- <laughs> it was just I remember going to the cinema to see it with uh, on curriculum day it yeah. was oh, okay um, so it was right at the end of school and going into the city because back then you know you'd catch a train to the city for the movies absolutely. Um, and just being like, whoa. whoa. And in fact, funnily enough, I've gone on to read um, Rob Lowe has a uh, autobiography, the actor Rob Lowe. Yes, yes, yes. Great read. Okay. Amazing read because anyone that grew up in that sort of era yeah, of watching yeah, yeah. 80s, 90s yeah, yeah. movies and the, the brat pack, so to speak, yeah, yes. you know, starting with The Outsiders and then yeah. it all went on, actually talks about all of those actors and – where they came into the picture and they were all – because they're all going for the same roles. Yes, yeah, and yeah, they would. They and he would, talks yeah. about Tom Cruise in there and about how intense he was from young, like yeah. really young. Okay. But it's a great book. It's a great read. Oh, awesome. But it really kind of puts that 10 years of movies yep. into a real perspective. So, Patrick Swayze is in there. Like they're all in there. So that's Rob Lowe's autobiography. Yeah, right? yeah. A, I think it's, there's actually two parts to it. But okay. it's a, it, for anyone from that era, yep, you'll that's, really that's like me. it. That's for me. Yeah. Um, what, if anything, scares you, Kez? I hate the dentist, if that helps. <laughs> I mean, I actually, oh, yeah, I no, yeah. really hate the yeah. I mean, I'm not talking a little bit of hate. I, yeah, no, no, no. And my, I, uncle, I my uncle was a dentist, so we had to go to him so. for our whole, whole, you know, and <laughs> I was the one that would go in having brushed my teeth 19 times a day and have to have work done. And my sisters would walk in and they wouldn't even brush their teeth and they'd be like, oh, they're all good. And I used to be like, oh, God. So, But I think other than that, I don't have a real 
I don't think I have a real fear of okay. much. Right, totally. I'll give most things a go as long yeah, as yeah. The, the chances of dying are minimal. Okay. Yeah. Fair, no, I, I, I get to understand. I think I understand you there because, yeah, yeah. you do give a, a, a fair bit of – Yeah. yeah At think. summer camp in the US I had snakes. I walked around with pythons. Didn't bother you. Didn't worry me in the okay. least. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, not one of my favourites, no. Um, what's the best bit of advice that you've been given? Hmm. Oh, I actually, there is there is one, and it is more of a recent one. But I've 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 said it a few times to people. I went and did a um, mental health and wellness um, seminar for for young girls yes. um, when I started coaching them, and the trainer said, "Listen to hear, don't listen to speak." And when we put a survey out at the end of what was the most impactful thing from the from the workshop, it was in fact half the parents in the room said exactly the same line. Okay. Listen to hear, don't listen to speak. Okay. Particularly in that mental health wellness space yes. is, as mums particularly, we want to solve everything. Yeah. So if somebody starts talking and crying, we're already thinking about how we're going to fix it, how are we going to fix it, yeah. how are we going to fix it. And, in fact, all they want us to do is to hear what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to provide solutions no. and we don't have to fix everything. Just and listen. I think that applies to, to everything, everything we yep. do. You know, don't stop thinking about what you're going to say. Listen, wait if you have to. But listen to hear, don't listen to speak. Listen to hear, exactly. That's that's a good one. So I've carried that one for a while now and I like it. That's a very good one. And finally, what is the one thing in the world that you would like to see happen which will make you happy before you leave this planet? I'd just like to see my kids find wonderful partners. Yeah, yeah. And have gorgeous grandchildren. That aren't that aren't little turds, no. preferably. No. Um, Grandchildren aren't. No, no. no that's, oh, not to grandparents. No, not, not, no, no, exactly. No. exactly yeah, <laughs> not to grandparents. No. Um, I think it's like everything. You know. You know. There's. You want your children. Yeah, you can to be talk happy, about yeah. all the solving this yeah. and solving that, and and but at the end of the day, it comes back to the people that you gave birth to. Yes. And and you want them to have great lives and great people. And when I leave, I I just hope that they're, they're on the well on the track yep. in doing and that in hap- their life. And they're happy. And they're happy. Exactly right. And they'll have they'll have hurdles, but. If we've taught them well enough, hopefully they get past those and and they have good lives. Like I mentioned last week um, or the week before, I can't remember. Unfortunately, I was an only child. So Mm. to me, my friends were my saviour. Good friends, yeah, good friends. Mm. I listen to them and they help, they guide you, they help you through things. And, you know, like to me, like I said earlier, home was to eat, sleep, and that was it. Mm. So it wasn't until later that I I started to think, yeah, geez, the old man was right when he said this and that. And, you know, but but I was very lucky that I had great friends and I still have great friends and and they guide you. Absolutely, yeah. They've helped me. So I lied. Okay, one more to finish. Now it's going to be a little bit lighthearted. You follow follow the footy, and if you do, who do you follow? Oh, I'm still crying this week because I love Damien Hardwick so much. Okay, our, fri- our friendship has officially <laughs> ended, Kez. But you know why? Because as a coach, yeah. you know, watching how he speaks, to there's a reason that he created what he did. I mean, a footy club's a footy club. I love Richmond. We've yeah. got mem- we make make a charitable donation every every year to Richmond in our membership. We don't get to a lot of games. No. <laughs> um, you know, love Dustin Martin to the end of time. In fact, he is. People ask me on tour, is that my husband? Actually, my my screensaver is Dustin Martin. Okay. <laughs> um, although I wouldn't say I'm a crazy football fan, but no, but no, I'm no a, you, I, your screensaver is Dustin Martin. You love uh, yeah, Damien Harbour. Yeah, no, you're, but you're not crazy. No, no, no not as a sweet <laughs> fan. But I think you know, I loved, I've loved, and I've been very fortunate to watch. And other people would yeah. say the same for Melbourne things. Watch a group of players, and it doesn't matter that they're grown ups. A group of players come together in a way because of what one person was prepared to commit to them. And so when he walked away this week, you know, as sad as it was, you know, I'm sure he walks away with my work here is done. 
hundred percent. Look, you know, not many coaches can say they've been there. How long? Oh, I can't remember how many years was he there. Thirteen. Thirteen and three premierships. Three premierships. That's pretty damn good effort. And he walked in like like yeah. uh, Brennan Gale said. He walked yeah. in when it was crap. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> and and he no. created something. It, and it, and he created I, something for those people. As much as my hatred to some of the Richmond support, not you, kids, but there's a couple no, of people out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, like yeah, he, he can he can walk out with his head held high. And and when you get players say that you know the the most influential person you know yeah. outside their family on their lives mm-hmm. that doesn't come by accident no, no, that no, comes because no, you're the person no, that can no. do that and th- he's given them something that they'll carry for the rest of their exactly lives exactly right Kez, thank you for coming on tonight I hope your basketball team continues to have success and you continue to enjoy your coaching it's been great fun coaching kids and uh, good luck on your on next tour and keep up the great work at at ONJ and. And listeners, thanks for that exclusive. You know where it is. You know where it is. Thanks for having me, Triple B. <laughs> oh, my, my pleasure. Our, our absolute pleasure. So uh, don't forget, folks, make sure you like uh, Radio Karam on Facebook or Insta and keep an eye out for your favourite shows uh, when they're broadcasting. Check out our website on radiocaram.org for more info about the other shows on the station. This is Triple B Social saying thank you once again for listening and hope you enjoyed this week's show. Real people, real stories. Hope to speak to you soon and I hope you're having the time of your life. But in the end it's right I hope you had the time of your life It's something unpredictable But in the end it's right I hope you had the time of your life